I feel like 2020 really showed me that that things do end. They always do end, but they will end on the timeline that their cycle is on. And there's not there's not one shit you could do about it. It's it's what whatever the cycle is is what the cycle is. Brown, a queer science fiction writer, a theologian sometimes, a mother of dragons, and a healing justice facilitator for social movements living on Dakota and Anishinaabe land currently known as Minneapolis. And I am Adrian Marie Brown, a writer, student of miracles and love, emergent strategist, pleasure activist, and seen and approved young Instagram star living on Anishinaabe territory, currently known as Detroit. And I am a sister of a young Instagram star. And this is How to Survive the End of the World. Our podcast about learning from apocalypse with grace, rigor, and curiosity. I just can't believe I get to be in your presence. I can't believe that I get to be in my own presence sometimes. It's quite something. It's actually, I just saw this little snippet of an interview with Beyonce where she was like, uh, what do I like to do? Nothing, really. I'm boring. Really, <laughs> you know, like, and I was just like, that, I don't know, something about it just calmed me down. I was like, all the people I know who are like in any way slightly famous or whatever are pretty like chill. Their actual lives are like. Right. IRL. I'm sitting around watching TV like everybody else. Everybody else. <laughs> and then occasionally creating medley. Um, so, Sistre, how are you? So I'm I'm doing okay at the moment. You know, I've been navigating um, just a period with a, uh, some uh, um, multiple overlapping crises. And um, like, like everyone I know, you know what I'm saying? I feel like... I'm not, I know that I'm not alone in how extreme this year has been. Um, and, and I take no small amount of solace in that because I know from, from other periods of my life when I've gone through extreme stress that part of what can really get you is the loneliness, mm. uh, the feeling mm. like you're the only person who's going through a terrible thing. Right, um, right. And, and that's, you know, that's part of also how crisis works on your brain, right? It makes you, it gives you that tunnel vision where it's like really hard to see that other people are also having lives. Mm. Um, and <laughs> so the gift of 2020, um, which, you know, I know we're going to get to this later, but one of the gifts that 2020 has given me has been like, uh, the ability to recognize that I'm not alone in whatever hardship I'm experiencing, um, right. which has helped me enter all of that hardship with a little bit more lightness. Um, so even though things have been really hard lately, I feel like I've been able to find lightness. And, you know, this weekend I took my kids sledding and it was mm. so awesome and so fun and they bullied me into like doing things that I was afraid to do. Um, and <laughs> I mean, I'm saying bullied in quotations, obviously, but but okay. like literally <laughs> Siobhan and I trekked to the top of this hill. And once we got to the top, I was like, no, I'm not doing this. This is too steep. 
I'm too freaked out. I'm, or I think the way I said it was, I don't know, Siobhan. I don't know. I, I, I'm starting to kind of freak out a little bit. And she looked at me and she said, Mom, don't do that. If you do that, then I'm going to freak out. So, and, and I won't be able to go down the hill if you don't go down with me. So don't do that. In the way that like really only Siobhan can do with me. And I was like, all right, all right, you're right. I'm not going to freak out. Let's just do this together. And we did it. (laughs) And it was great. And I felt so proud of myself. (laughs) I'm proud of you. You know, it's like, it's it's so funny to, to do those kinds of things with kids and realize how, you know, how risk averse we become as we age. You know, but like when I was their age, of course, I wouldn't have hesitated to go face first down a steep hill. Exactly. Um, You don't know what it's like to run into. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, I'm so I am I am feeling that the lightness, like I feel like I'm I'm been able to give myself some lightness, even though a lot of things have been really heavy. Um, Yeah. How are you? How are you, young Instagram star? (laughs) well it's been such an interesting moment you know um I feel like um on on most hands of my octopus tentacles um on most hands things are going really really well for me like my life is unfolding in really beautiful ways that um more than ever before, I can really see the root system. You know, I'm like, oh, like this choice and this no and this yes and this, you know, like these things all built up to this moment. And um, this moment is like this week I have two books that are being released into the world and um, which is like. Let's call the books by name. Well, yes. So one book that I, <laughs> is part of the Emergent Strategy series, which is Undrowned by Alexis Pauling Gums. And Alexis has been a guest here many times. We love Alexis and we love that she listened to mammal wisdom and mm. understood that it was a black feminist wisdom mm. and offered it up on Instagram where I saw it. And in a beautiful twist of magic, Toshi also saw it. And I reached out and was like, can we figure out a way to publish this? And Toshi reached out and was like, can we figure out a way to like sing this? And so there's projects coming out and this book is coming out and we're going to do some release events. There's going to be a lot of things around it. And then Toshi and Alexis are also going to be releasing tracks and that'll eventually be an album that gets released. So that's awesome. It's just like. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, like, that's my life. I truly um, feel like Alexis is like the godmother of the movement. I think so. I love the fairy godmother. The fairy godmother. The fairy, like, of our mermaid movement. whale godmother. Everything that she <laughs> creates is just so. Yeah. Um, so, like, channeled and it is. beautiful. It is. And, you know, she's operating at a different pace than anyone else, and it shows. Like, it really shows um, she's thinking at a different pace. And I think she gives us all something to aspire to mm-hmm. in terms of how we listen and think. So I feel really geeked to get to be a part of that process. And, and like, I want my whole life to be filled with, like, Alexis Pauling. You know, like, just reading her work, immersing myself in her thinking. So that's geeky and yay and yummy. And then... 
Uh, the little book We Will Not Cancel Us comes out this week also. And uh, so and they, the books, I have to say, cover wise, look so cute next to each other. Aren't they the so co- fresh? The color match. <laughs> I know. That was know. very well thought out. I'm very excited <laughs> because, you know, working with AK, it's like, you know, they come and they're like, how about these covers? And I'm like, Ning. Um, and they're like, well, but, you know, they really are like, okay, we'll take the feedback. And how about this? And it's like, yes. That's the mm-hmm. cover. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it helps that we have a pretty clear color scheme and stuff like that. So just like, if it's pink, I'm happy. Right. If it's blue, I'm happy. If it's pink and blue, I'm so happy. We'll so um, we're going to try to breach in some new directions with the next book. Um, there might be some yellow. So we'll see. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've got to grow. I've got to grow. So so that that's a good... Um, it's like a good season, right? Anytime it's a, a season where books are being birthed into the world, in spite of anything else that's happening, that feels like a good time. Mm-hmm. And and of course, I've never released a book during a pandemic. So I'm getting to experience like, oh, how do you release books during this time? How do you create conversations that are unique to specific communities and specific places? Right. And do all the interviews and do everything. So it feels fun to be in all that adaptation. And then I've really been experiencing a huge amount of home joy, just like blissful home experience. And that looks like, you know, I've never, I say this, (laughs) I've never read Marie Kondo. I've never actually watched a Marie Kondo show. So I only know her wisdom through like memes and what other people post. But I do know... (laughs) That I am using a meth. The method that she talks about is the method that I have been committed to for most of my adult life of like going through, getting rid of stuff. If it's not like I love this, right, and right. Um, so I've now done that to all the spaces in my home, like since I got back. And this morning, I did like the final little like closet nook that had like accumulated all the random purses and earrings and mm-hmm. bracelets and tinctures and stuff. I and hope you set aside a bag for me. I, I totes have a bag for you. Yes. So we're good. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a bag for you that has books, shirts, socks, and other things. In it. Yes. So you know me so well. Go. I do. It's almost and like we're related. It's like sister Um <laughs> But also, I think the thing that was interesting, and I always find interesting whenever I do this kind of sweep, is what are the things that I accumulate over and over and over? So <laughs> I create the same little bags over and over and over, like a little pencil bag with every time I open it up, it's got a variety of pens in it, some a lot of stones and rocks that I like, um, a pair of headphones, some lip gloss, a tincture, um, it's just like the same, like coal eye makeup. And it's just the same bag over and over and over and That's over. That's so interesting. Yes. And so it's like I make the bag and then it goes inside of a purse or it goes in a closet or it goes somewhere. And then I'm like traveling and I, I need another bag. I don't, I don't know where that bag is. <laughs> I need a little bag. And I just need a couple of pins. Oh, and like I love this crystal. And so oh, and, and I, need I just re- right. I need this tincture. This is the tincture of this moment. Mm. And so when I pull it all out I'm just like dang and soap is the other thing that I just like I love soap right if Bars I go in a gift that store you never use yeah <laughs> I have a clo- I have a bathroom closet like a whole shelf that is just bar soap and I'm like 
like a human can't use this much bar soap. Like now I'm already past the point where I will be able to use this much bar soap before I die. So but it is a good thing to have, (laughs) you know, in your bunker, you know, because bar soap will last you longer. I mean, bunker life, I've got enough soap for me and a small family of dirty people. Right. So (laughs) we're good. Um, And I'm not going to stop. Like, that's not to say I'm stopping because I still love soap, especially. Right. This is really just (laughs) a water station on the marathon of soap collection that is your life. Exactly. And tarot collection. Like, if I like stuff, I have so much of it. And Right. Um, but that process is, it's very calming for me to realize I have enough to let some go. Like whether I have a lot or a little, it just helps me so much to be like, not too much, not too little. Like I have this size home. It's a, you know, one full bedroom and a half bedroom. And it's just like, it's not a big space. So don't go overboard with having too much. And Now I have this turtle and I have a partner and everything has moved into the space. So I'm like, okay, how do I rearrange, rearrange, right, rearrange, right, let go, right, let go, let go. Right. And uh, all of that has been really joyful. And I'm enjoying, I'm really, really grateful that my sweetheart and I are in a place right now where we can be in this pandemic together right now <laughs> and get along. Because I'm like, <laughs> we can't go anywhere. <laughs> so, you know... It's such a it's such a beautiful thing to be like, oh, I like you. This is the right amount of right. space like for us. You're, doing the, good. you're a person that I could spend every waking hour of the day with. <laughs> yes, yes. And well, and the thing I like is we both really enjoy going to our ends of the house and doing our mm-hmm. thing, and then coming back and be like, hi, OMG, <laughs> I I missed you. That's um, so, so sweet. Gross, <clears throat> but it's it's fun. It's great. So. I, it's good to see you, good to hear how you are, good to share. Um, And more than usual, I want to ask the listeners to engage in these questions along with us. So if you want to pause right now as you're listening and just answer that question of how you are, if you were in the conversation with us, like give us a deep dive, give yourself a deep dive, check in. And yeah, that full body scan, like head to toe. That full body, just like, mm-hmm. how's it going? How are you doing? Not how's the world, but how are you particularly? So, Flume of Rage, what? What? The Flume of Rage. The Flume of Rage! What the fuck is this? Nope. That is a full note. The Flume of Rage! The Flume of Rage! What in the Flume of Rage? Yeah, I feel like our flumes are probably going to be pretty connected to one another. Um... Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I just feel, you know, (laughs) I just, I just, just, you know, (laughs) um, 
I think I'm having the, um, you know, we're all experiencing pandemic fatigue. Yes. You know, God, but damn, some of exhausting. us have been more responsible than others. Talk about it during this project. pandemic. Okay. And so I'm at a point in the pandemic where I've done everything right. <laughs> yes. And I'm looking around, mm-hmm. looking around, looking around, looking around. And I'm just seeing all the people who haven't done anything right (laughs) (laughs) or have half-assed it at every step of the way. And I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling Mm -hmm. angry that I'm at a point where I'm still not able to do a lot of things that I want to be able to do, even though I've been doing everything right (laughs) for eight months, eight months of excellent behavior. So... That's my flume of rage. I'm not going to stop doing everything right. I'm going to continue being a very, very responsible human, human citizen of the world. I'm going to continue being very, very responsible. Um, and I'm just, it's, it's getting harder for me. I'm noticing <laughs> I'm a very optimistic person generally. And I'm a yeah. very, I'm a, I'm a lover of people. Generally, but I'm noticing that that the pandemic is turning me into a misanthrope because I'm starting to feel really <laughs> like I'm, I'm noticing that my fuse for other yeah. humans and their behaviors is like really short these days, <laughs> really, really short. Things that typically wouldn't tick me off are really ticking me off in a big You're way like, these days. It's tough. It's TikTok um, now. Yeah, it's yeah. just like it doesn't take a lot for me to be like. I'm canceling that person inside my head. Um, <laughs> and I'm not, that, I'm not, that's not who I am. Like, I'm not a canceler, okay? No. Um, I, don't, I don't have that tendency. Like, I'm not the person who's, like, the first person on the internet to cancel someone, you know? Right, right, right. So right. I, but I'm definitely, <laughs> I'm definitely, yeah. I feel like I'm heading in that direction. I'm having a hard, I'm having a harder and harder time just, you know, just having to navigate, like, the, the, um, the continuation of the limitations that we're all operating under. Um, yeah. And I know, ultimately, I do know, I recognize that that the, the when this is framed as a matter of individual choice and individual responsibility, that that is a problem and it's not a matter of individual responsibility. I get that. And also, there, there's a lot of choices that people could be making differently. <laughs> both so, things are true both things are true mm-hmm. um so that's that's my flume right now I'm not directing it at anyone because it's really not an any one person kind of thing it's more like a you know 60 percent of the population kind of thing is like yeah, yeah <laughs> just not doing not doing the, the what needs to be done so I'm gonna go I think I have two flumes today um One is very much aligned with what you just shared. And my flume, my COVID flume, is specifically for people who say they are doing it and commiserate in conversation about the people who are not holding the boundaries, but then are not holding the boundaries. And you, you, it's like you see it. (laughs) So I had the experience, I've had the experience twice now of showing up to things where people were like, oh, the COVID thing, I mean, like, we are all over it. And then, like, the first experience to the last experience is me having to be like, 
Please stay away from me. Please put your mask on. Where is your mask? You don't even have a mask. What the fuck, right? Um, and I'm like, but we talked about it beforehand. And you even said, I know, I can't believe these no. people are out here, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you are these people. You, you are these people. Are these people, <laughs> right? And it's a very, I feel like it's a very, I think of it as a very American, like a very U.S. American quality now is this thing about being like, I know <laughs> those taxpayers, right? Those capitalists, those, those whatever, right? It's just like talking about othering something that you are actually participating in. Yes. And that is othering it very, and judging it. Very <laughs> I'm just like, American mm, thing to do. Right. What are you doing? And I'm like, and you know, the frustration is that I think of it as the Virgo in a group project frustration, but I think it's like all all kinds of fire in our signs and are feeling this. I'm just like Oh yeah. But I did my part and I did it right and I stayed up all night. Right. But you didn't do shit. And so I, yeah, it's like, for the fire signs, for the fire signs, what we're all feeling is like, just let me be the fucking charge. If you don't know how to do it, let someone who knows how to be the fucking charge do it. That's what we're feeling. And then I think the earth signs are holding down the like, but I already did it. I already did it. We already did it. We're doing it. <laughs> if you're worried about how to do it, just like look over here. Like We're already over I, here doing it right. I My my keychain, my whatever you hang keys on when you come in the door is now hook. half of it is distribute the hook thing. Yeah. It's now <laughs> half of that is now just masks. There's so, We have so many masks, more masks than we could ever use. But we've made it fashion. We are like, we yes. have a different mask for every look. Like, And then we just stay in the house. And we stay in the house and we stay in the house and we stay in the house. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And <clears throat> I'm like, I want to, I, I want to travel like more than I've ever, I mean, like, you know me. I'm just like, I need, I, it's like a month goes by and I'm like, I need to leave the country. Right. So right. today, one of the other things I did was I found all the things that I have gathered from traveling to different places and I put them up. So now the whole hallway is like every postcard I ever bought in Johannesburg and every necklace <laughs> I got in Kwanjalin and like all the different things. I'm just like, everything Let me make is now on a wall where I can be like, altar. here we are. <laughs> all, every, it's like an altar to the universe, right? I'm just like... Literally half the house is altered at this point, and it's all like everything I've gathered. So, so first flume is like about that that um, unaccountable kvetching, right? Where I'm just like, right? Hmm. Don't complain about it. Don't, Don't complain, complain about, about it. it and then my other one is like internet police, and the people I'm thinking about are ones who like you post something. And they they don't seem to look at any context of like anything else you've ever posted or even just posted or anything else. They just come and they come in the DMs or the comments with like, um, I'm not sure you're aware, but here's how this thing, da, 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 like, why are you uplifting this person and not that? Or da, 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 this is wrong in some way. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind it if it's people who I'm like, oh, clearly you are up on game like you, you know you see what else is posted in this account and <laughs> you're offering something that's like oh yeah like you would want to know this and you clearly don't I'm like I like when that happens mm-hmm. but that's not like 90% of it <laughs> 90% of it 
and a perfect example is like I posted something that was really funny to me after the election results came down um, with Biden Kamala, who, you know, at no point did I endorse Biden and Kamala, right? I was right. just like, this is just the strategic move that has to be made at this point. It'd right. be great if there was another viable option for getting this um, autocratic fascist out of office. There's not. So There's this not. is what we're doing. This is what we got. And now we are laughing because we we do seem to have claimed this victory. And it feels good to have a victory such as this over someone so evil. And so I posted something that just made me laugh about it. And someone came in and was like, why are you uplifting this person and not Stacey Abrams? And literally, <laughs> literally, two posts before. Two posts Two posts before. Two posts prior. <laughs> maybe within the same hour is a post all about how incredible Stacey Abrams is. And in the incredible Stacey Abrams post, I was like, actually, go give money to the Georgia Senate race, um, you know, and honor the work that, that this woman has done. And in the comments of that post, why are you just uplifting Stacey Abrams and not every other person who worked on this, right? <laughs> oh I'm God. like, oh, but in my stories, there are all the five, six people in Georgia who you can't, <laughs> did this, you right? You can't, you so, can't, you literally can't. No, 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 can't. you can't, you can't, but... <laughs> No, nor do I want to, right? I don't want to have to do any additional labor because it's my fucking page. <laughs> and all I want to do is post what I want to post on there. And if you're coming to look for you to do the labor of making sure you understand and have paid attention to what's going on before you jump in in such a superiority move. It's so Ugh. much supremacy. That's what it looks like. It always feels like and it's almost always white people. It's often men. It's like, or why don't people. you know yes. more about this How thing? How do you not know more about your culture and what you're posting and everything? And it just is starting, it's getting me to the point where I'm like, do I have to turn off the comments? Like, mm. will these people not stop being policey? No, I'm they like, won't. I'm an abolitionist. This is not the energy I mean, to bring here. It's like, it. it's, you know, that tendency is so deep inside of us. And so... It's like a, it's like very viral across our culture right now. Like literally, I, I'm I've been like, I, you know you know me. I'm very I know you. I'm girl. very very amenable and open to critique. Like I really believe in the power of critique. Yes. Um, and I take seriously what I would consider to be real critique that's grounded and principled. Um. But I'm just seeing all a lot those of stuff. caveats you just put on that. Yeah, that's what I like. <laughs> I'm seeing so <laughs> much stuff like. where I'm like, "What is happening?" Like the, um, I'm probably gonna get canceled over this, but like the 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 most recent episode of or second most recent episode of Mandalorian with Baby Yoda eating the eggs of the frog I lady seen it yet. and there was like a whole oh I'm sorry I spoiled something for you but it's okay no, you of your memory you don't because you know my memory is like but, I'll forget but yeah. literally there's a whole there was like quote-unquote backlash that's a word that people are applying to this quote-unquote backlash on the internet of people being like why is genocide being made a punchline in this show I'm like Whoa, 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 back it up, back it up, back it up, back it up. Like, why are we using the word genocide right now? Like, stop it. Everybody fucking stop it. 
That's what it, you know, like, yeah, oh my God. It's like if you're, if you're, if, if, if how you understand history is so uncritical that you can't actually like apply whatever your particular political lens is to a situation and know whether or not it applies to that situation or not then like something something's missing in terms of your ability to like think critically you know and I think that that's that's part of what is so frustrating in this moment is like watching people like really unable to actually engage critically yes but using a critical tone to engage in a very shallow way actually right? Soup's shallow. Soup's shallow. So that's getting on my nerves. And it's not, you know, I I think the thing that's so interesting to me is I don't follow people who I don't think are smart enough to like make these connections, right? Like if I'm, if I follow someone and they continuously say stuff that I'm like, dang, that's ignorant. I unfollow. Right. (laughs) I just I'm like, that's that's my critique. That's that's what I need to say about this is I'm not going to keep putting my attention someplace like that. And what I think is there is an opposite of me developing in the world, like an opposite (laughs) way, which is like perhaps is all always existed. And it's probably always been there. But (laughs) social media has brought it to the forefront. Right. Where it's like there's people who are like, I don't want to necessarily do anything myself. And I don't want to become like an informed critic. I just want to troll and complain and like educate down to people, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm looking for that. I'm looking for that. And I don't know. It's just, it's, it, if it, it's like in this period of time when there's so much that is hard, why make it harder to laugh on the internet? Why make it harder? to enjoy memes like why make it harder to enjoy the few (laughs) things that are still kind of okay and good so right right all right so that's my plume of rage so what we thought we would do today and we may be jumping the gun (laughs) but we wanted to go ahead and try to record an end of the year show you know i love adapting I love figuring stuff out. I love having these conversations with you. And I also want us to really turn and face like, it's hard to pull this off right now. There's so many things that we're trying between us to hold down. And one of the commitments we have to ourselves is that this not be something that's hard, that it not be laborious. And so we were supposed to go on break later, like maybe give you all another month, month and a half, but we're not. We're going to go ahead and call it. And I really, um, I want to bring in the wisdom of Trisha Hersey in the Nat ministry because she has been such a good teacher of like, it's time to rest. You need to rest. Like Mm -hmm. you don't have to earn the rest. You don't have to justify the rest. If you need it, Mm. take it. You'll be better on the other side of it. And for me, at least trying to do, trying to do, the, the podcast the way we like to do it, which is having conversations that kind of are outside of time and that are about our survival in, in general, right? Like what do we need yeah. in order to survive? Yeah, It's particularly taxing in a moment like this where everything is urgently changing in total crisis every moment, 
And so just trying to find like, well, what are the topics that we can offer up to you that are timeless? What are the survival technologies that are timeless? And one of them is to rest when it's time to rest. (laughs) So we thought we would spend a little time there today talking about Mm -hmm. what, why is this the end of our year? And then what we learned and what we're proud of about this year. Um, Autumn, anything you want to say about why we're going to, why we're going to let this be our last show of 2020 and just call it celebrate. (laughs) Celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and you know, and, but I'm happy to let our listeners in a little bit too, that, um, like everyone, I've been going through it this year and, um, and I've been having a really hard time, um, this fall keeping up with the recording schedule and also but I mean generally keeping up with everything that's on my schedule because again there's been a lot of really persistent crisis yeah um and in my life you're a mother and, working full-time and a, right <laughs> it's just like mom, that to me sounds like a three crisis kids working but... full-time <laughs> like yes right? like, wow well and I I will say I will say like my kids are um, my kids are doing amazing right now, yeah. all things considered. So I'm very, I'm grateful. They are the I'm best very children grateful. that ever lived. So. Um, they're very fucking resilient, yeah. these kids. And um, they prove that to me every year. Um, and this year they have really, really proven it. But, mm. but you know, it doesn't mean that anything is easy, right? Yeah. And, and one of the things that I think happened for me in the last couple of weeks was you know, I was, I was feeling really, um, kind of self-critical and kind of just down on myself about, um, not being able to show up Mm. in the way that I wanted to this fall. And I had to kind of pause and remind myself of what I pulled off in the spring Mm -hmm. and be like, Autumn, (laughs) look at what you did in the spring, girl, why are you, why are you so angry at yourself? You know? And, and remember that like that, that part of me that, um, is, you know, holding myself to an ever higher, higher standard, um, is exactly the part of me that I've committed to working on. Right. And, you know, committed to saying, what if, you know, what if I I had a colleague years ago (laughs) who said to me, like, what if we just gave our 70%? You know, knowing that our 70% is as good as most people's hundred, you know, like what if, what if we did that? Yes, good enough. And she was right. You know, I was like, you're right about this. And, and I've been, I've been trying to kind of lean into that a little bit more. It's not in my nature, right? It's not in my nature to give less than my 100%. You like to give like 150. I do. That's, that is more my nature. And I'm really trying to just at least dial it back 25%. And so, Mm, you know, so I think that, you know, I, I think that part of what happened for me this fall was like, part of it was that I just ran up against the wall of, you know, I have real, I am a real human with real limitations and, and the wall of, um, of, you know, there's a particular kind of space that we hold together yeah. in these conversations and a particular heart space that I enter with you. Yeah. Um, and I found myself, <clears throat> you know, having to, you know, cancel recordings with you because I knew that what was happening inside my body yeah. 
and the like the depth of exhaustion and fatigue I was reaching meant that I couldn't hold myself in that heart space, right? right? That I wasn't going to be able to actually come in and like articulate depth of any kind. And and that <laughs> so that was part of it for me was sort of being like, whoa, like I can't I can't talk with depth right now. Right. What's going on? Or at least, at least not <laughs> you know. for the public because not for the I think public. You and not I, for the public. You know, yeah. some of our recording sessions have been unrecorded conversations. You know, we've been like, fuck it. We just need to talk. <laughs> and right, exactly. You're exactly. very able to articulate what's happening in that hard space. And you're right. so powerful right. and so incredible. And I deeply appreciate that. That's like, we really try to hold an authentic container here. And right. There's something that, and then there's some things. There's some things that can't that can't go in that authentic container for the public, right? Exactly. And and Private so noticing, yes, yeah. So noticing that like the conversations that I'm needing to have with you as my sister are not the conversations that can be recorded, yeah. you know, and put out into the world. But those are the conversations I'm needing to have. That's right. Um, you know, I think that was part of it. And and then part of it was saying, you know, what would it look like to honor my own needs right now? Yeah. And honor what I have accomplished this year. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> and not push myself past my breaking point when I know that that is the pattern that I've been trying to break for five years now. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I yeah. really want to honor that. And there's this quote that Prentice... Hemphill, my friend, beloved, um, said, which is perfectionism is a commitment to perpetual self-doubt. And Ooh, isn't that golden? I'm writing that down. Perfectionism I'm writing that down. is a commitment to perpetual self-doubt. And this year, this year has felt like a dance with that, that, mm-hmm. you know, I don't consider myself a perfectionist in like the Beyonce sense of it, you know, where it's just like every detail must be perfect. But I'm a perfectionist about how I want to show up in the world, right? So if I'm doing something, I'm like, oh, there's a way and there's a perfect amount of presence that I want to bring to it, right? And I want to be wholly there. And that has been something for me that I've noticed this year that I'm like, the only place I really want to wholly be is like on my couch watching ratchet television and eating ice cream. <laughs> like that feels like my most authentic self right now. And right. I am doing my best to keep track of what's happening in the world. I'm doing my best to use whatever platform I have to put the energy in the right directions that it needs to go in. But that, that call to hibernate is strong and even though the weather is all janky climate catastrophe and like gorgeous, but in a really suspect golden age of global warming way, mm-hmm. I still underneath that, I know that it's winter. <laughs> I know that it's time yes. <laughs> to yeah. be like resting and inward and praying and, you know, conjuring and, and doing a different kind of work. So um, yeah, I'm proud of us totally. for like noticing like, we need to call it. <laughs> and I want us to call it with a lot of grace and celebration. So yeah, yeah. I want to first ask you, um, what do you feel like you learned this year? 2020? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible to think back on what has happened this year. 
Um, and also to think of like where I was, you know, at the turn of the year, uh-huh. you know, I was, I was in Hawaii. Oh yes. And, um, I'm so grateful. <laughs> I'm so grateful yeah. that I was able to go to Hawaii specifically to visit the, um, the encampment at Mauna Kea. Oh yes. And, um, because I, I learned a lesson while I was there about um, the necessity of being our own pillars. Yeah. And it has really stayed with me, like that language has stayed with me, um, that concept has stayed with me all year, this idea that I have to be my own pillar, I have to be my own pillar. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I feel, um, I feel that 2020 has taught me a couple of things. Um, It has taught me that things do come to an end. Mm. Um, Despite our denial, despite our resistance, um, despite our wanting or not wanting, you know, it's um, that it is, um, it's, you know, it's like a blessing to be um, on a planet with life cycles. And, you know, there's so much, there's so much for us to learn from beginnings and endings and, and every part of the life cycles that we exist inside of. Um, and, but I think that <clears throat> for a lot of different reasons, you know, we struggle with the part of the life cycle that is the ending. And um, maybe the struggle is that we don't want things to end, or maybe the struggle is that we want things to end before they're actually over. Yeah. And um, I feel like 2020 really showed me that that things do end, they always do end, but they will end on the timeline that their cycle is on. <laughs> and there's not, there's not one shit you could do about it. That's it's not, it's yeah. what, whatever the cycle is, is what the cycle is. Um, and you can resist it or you can move with it. And, and, and for me, the, where that, where that lesson intersects with the with my time in Hawaii is that piece around being my own pillar that if I if I'm working on being my own pillar and my own stability then it's easier for me to actually move with the wisdom of ending and to let the cycle unfold the way it's supposed to unfold I've had to I've had to move through so many endings over the last couple of years and hmm. and I've had to tolerate a lot of mystery as a part of that process. Um, and I think that that this invitation that was offered to me at the very beginning of the year to be my own pillar, to be my own stability really helped me navigate the mystery Mm. of 2020 um, and to really remain focused on on my work, what my responsibility, what I have um, agency to do, 
who I'm accountable to for my actions, you know, all those things, like mm. staying really focused on myself instead of externalizing, 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 which, you know, so many of us are, are really socially trained to externalize and to point the finger and to find someone to offload our pain onto. Mm. And I really... I feel like this year the big lesson was like there is no one else who's going to take your pain for you. <laughs> You've got to take yeah. it yourself, bitch. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. And so I, I, That's I don't really think profound. that I've, I don't think I've quite reached the point of like I'm grateful for this year. I'm definitely not. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but I do know. You know, I know I've been through enough hardship to know that there's like there always comes a point where you're grateful for the for the terrible thing that happened. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's hard. It's hard right now to uh, imagine feeling that way. Yeah. But I know that I know that the gratitude will come. Right now, I'm just still harvesting. I guess. <laughs> You know, like, I've been in this field. I've been in this field. I've been in this I'm field. I'm not here in this field. I'm harvesting months. in this field. I've been in this field. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> what about you, sis? What are your, um, what did you learn this year? Yeah. Um, so far. Well, first of all, thank you for your, le- your lessons. Those are profound lessons. Um, especially that, like, no one will carry your pain for you. <laughs> Even for money? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, no. Nope. Um, and that's the best outcome, right? It, oh it's my actually, god, that's it's such the, a glorious. That's the best thing. outcome you can hope for is that no one exactly. else is going to carry well, your pain for you. Well, because it deeply ties to my lesson of the year, which <laughs> my mm. overarching big lesson of the year, which is I am not in control of other people. I can't save other people, and I can't change the conditions that other people are in. Mm. Right. So all of which often leads to me experiencing people that are in a lot of pain. Um, You know, so I'm like, people are in a lot of pain. And my impulse is, I can fix this. I can can make this better, right? And I have my go-to things of like, well, are you in therapy? Right. Okay. How about you change all the conditions of your life? How about you learn to be more honest in your conversations? How about, right? And I just have my like go-to, like, if you just follow this rubric, you too can experience total, whatever, 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 right? It's like, no. (laughs) Total liberation from pain. (laughs) Exactly, right? And it's so interesting because I'm like, I know that that's not how life actually is. Like, I experience pain and grief every day. And I have an amazing life where I'm doing all the things that I tell people to do. I'm like, I practice this shit. It works. I have a very good life. And that doesn't mean I can help anyone else get there. And I think it's, it's you know, deeply ties back into harm reduction for me. Like one of the big principles of harm reduction is that each person, each user has to determine their own path of how they're going to relate to whatever it is that they're addicted to, whatever it is they're struggling mm. to, you know, whatever it is that it kind of yeah. takes the center of their life. They have to decide how they're going to orient to that and if they're going to abstain or if they're going to reduce the harm or if they're going to, you know, go all in or whatever it is. And I feel like I'm in another deep level of learning with that where I'm like, oh, mm. like, and our friend Malkia, who we've had on on here as a guest, Malkia, um, 
does this, does so many things around online community that are so incredible and so powerful. And one of them is holding this community that does a cleanse each month together and just like 10 days. And one of the rules of the cleanse is no unsolicited advice. So when people offer up like, oh, I did my workout today or I really struggled and ate some, you know, um, bonbons or something, you know, that, (laughs) you know, what Malkia teaches us is giving unsolicited advice is a way of judging. Yes. Right. It's a way of casting judgment on someone and saying, oh, you must not know what I know and I will offer it to you now. (laughs) And, um, it was such, that was such a liberating thing for me to hear because I am the queen of unsolicited advice because <laughs> I'm like, but my advice is so good. Um, and, but my advice is so good if you could just hear it. And my therapist is such a, she's great because she's like, well, it must be confusing for someone like you because you give good advice and a lot of people seek your advice. So then when you're talking to people who aren't seeking your advice, it must be kind of difficult because you're like... <laughs> You know, people pay me for this. Like, are you sure you don't? <laughs> like, I mean, I am giving this to I'm you. I'm literally giving free. you for free. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but there's there is right. It's like ego is always sitting there trying to mess you up on your higher totally. higher self path, right? So <laughs> it's been so helpful and humbling to be like, oh, like especially the people who know me forever like bitch <laughs> you don't know more than i know like we know we, i know you <laughs> we have known each other forever i'm literally your parent or whatever it is and <laughs> you, you need to chill right so i am literally, I'm literally your, parent. your parent and i i you know change your diapers you need to just be quiet and listen so um this this year has been beautiful in that way um, with a lot of gentle mm-hmm. moments of just being like, oh, right size your ego, right size yourself, get into your own life, your own business, your own um, right. knowing, and then see what you can be from that place. And what I have learned, what I think I'm learning, let me say it that way, is to be a much better listener than I've ever been in my life. Because I've always been listening, waiting for like the moment when I could give advice not even realizing that, thinking that that was benevolent listening or thinking that that was good listening. And I feel like I'm finally dropping into like, oh, maybe just ask how they are. Like, (laughs) maybe just ask how that feels, right? Yeah, yeah. Or even just saying like, do you want advice right now? Would that be useful? Or Mm -hmm. more often, do you just need something? Like, is there like some resource that I could support you having that you determine? Right. <laughs> so. Right. Um, and, you know, it's like putting on my doula I've, hat. I've, I've noticed the shift in you. It's been really beautiful to watch, actually. Yay. See? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's noticeable, yeah. palpable stuff. Yeah. I've noticed I've noticed you being like, what kind of support do you want right now? Like, do you yes. want an event? Do you want solutions? Yes. Do you want this? Yes. And it's like, it's so good. It's so nice to be offered the option to decide. Yay. I'm like, <laughs> you know, we don't do I maybe mean, humans generally. It's not just you or me. It's like humans generally don't do that for each other. Right. We don't give each other the space to self-determine what support looks like. Yeah. So. Well, that's and I beautiful. think that I think in this period of mutual aid coming again, like into the center of how communities are learning to function. So many of us are having to learn that. Oh, like, let me offer what I have and let me listen to what others need and if I have that I can meet that need 
and it doesn't have to be transactional and others can meet my needs. And all of that is just clicking in, um, in me. And I see it clicking in, in a collective way. And I feel very aware of what I need from other people. And this year has taught me a lot about what I need. You know, I think most of my adult life has been like, I don't need you or you or you or you or you, you mm-hmm. like, just leave me alone. <laughs> and I really like to be alone. And I'm always Why like, am I alone? <laughs> oh, my God. OK, there's that meme. There's like some Virgo meme that's like, leave me alone. Why am I alone? Um, right. And I'm just like, that's been me. It's just like, I want people close. I don't know how to get them close. As soon as they get in close, I feel claustrophobic. That dance. Right. And I feel like this right. year has taught me like, oh, you can let people in and have boundaries and like in with boundaries yeah. feels so good. <laughs> and mm-hmm. being in relationship <laughs> with people where you can articulate your boundaries and where you don't take their shit on as your shit and you don't leave them your bag to carry or, you know, like there's something so beautiful about that. So other big lessons, I feel like I'm really done with the burnout cycle um, this Ooh. year somewhere in my sabbatical, it kind of clicked like this isn't a sabbatical or a break like the ones I've taken in the past where it's been like, okay, rest and then jump back in and go, <laughs> you know? Um, right. It's, I really feel like this year was like rest and then set the patterns that you want to be in for your life. And now mm. I feel like I'm entering, really entering the boundary queen phase of my life where it's, you know, these are the hours that I work. I don't work outside of these hours. These are the things that I focus on. I don't focus on other things. You know, this is how you book me. You don't do it through my DMs or my text messages. This is how. so beautiful. This is how. This is how. And I have a huge well of energy for the things that I'm doing, but they're things that I'm doing, you know? Like I'm not constantly putting myself in a position where I all of my work belongs to other people who they can't even feel when I hit the bottom. They can't feel when I'm hitting like the end of my capacity because I, I can cover that, <laughs> you know, like I know I can, I can push through. And I think you and I have this in common. It's like in some ways I can kick up into an even better performance when I'm under like impossible pressure. Um, yes, but that doesn't totally. mean it's good for me and it's definitely not sustainable. <clears throat> And right. Um, or it's not sustainable in a way that I want to sustain my life. So I feel like that's the piece where I'm like, oh, I don't want to be a crispy piece of toast anymore. Like I want to be that juicy, like middle of the loaf. So good that you can eat it without Sour toasting bread. it. Like mm. just, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to be that mm-hmm. kind of bread. Yes. Yes. Um, and then I think my. Did I say sourbread? I meant sourdough. Whatever. I knew you hey, meant sourdough. And I know that mm-hmm. they knew. I know they knew. Like, <laughs> They were like sour we know, bread. You mm. know. <laughs> they were like, mm. Except the one person probably like Googled really like, what is sour bread? Like, do I not know? What is sour bread? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, other lesson I have is if I stop resisting and remember what I love, I can actually really enjoy the adaptations. So this year, oh, yeah. like I had many many adaptations you know I was like I'm on sabbatical JK (laughs) um this is happening now (laughs) like you know um I'm going home just kidding going to my parents house for four months and like (laughs) it just kept being like one thing after another that was like not what I expected but I kept softening 
where I used to get like rigid and be like, wait, hold on. You know, I kept softening and being like, okay, just ask what you need to ask. Find out what you need to find out, feel what you feel and change. And here we go. And that piece is like, feel your feelings and then change. Like that really helped me through this year. So I'm like, oh, I think often I try to not feel my feelings and then yeah. adapt without really understanding that like me as a feeling body is going to have to go through the adaptation. <laughs> it's almost like the OODA loop it's, it's, for adaptation. It's like the OODA loop for adaptation. It totally is. Yeah. It's just like, hold on. How do you actually feel about this? And slowing down my feeling to communication process has been pretty helpful. Like taking the time, you know, when I find out that something's shifting or some news or someone said something or whatever, mm-hmm. taking the moment to be like, okay, I'm grieving about that. I'm really, right. you know, like when I had to shift my sabbatical, I was like, I'm really grieving the time I was going to have in South Africa and the experience, you know, like I had a whole novel set in my mind of how that was all going to go. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that moment won't happen again. Some other moment will happen. Right. But the thing that I was right. planning, I had to really grieve for it. And I will say maybe the other lesson is like our obsession with apocalypse and grief is like a prophetic intellect. <laughs> like that feels like a big lesson of this year. It's like, oh, thank goodness I've been thinking about apocalypse nonstop my whole adult life. Um, and thank God that I've been thinking about grief and letting grief flow through my life. So those feel like the big lessons for me is yeah. that, and I think of prof- prophetic in the sense that Lama Rod Owens taught us, where it's like, just actually naming what is being with the truth, right? Being with like, right. here's what unfolds from the truth. But I'm like, the truth is, this is a period where we know more than we've ever known before, how much there is to grieve, and how much we are right. losing, and right. how unstoppable some of the losses and how unnecessary some of the losses. And grief is a practice. And I feel like I've been practicing, we've all been practicing. And right now when we need it, um, there's so many grief doulas and death doulas and people who are helping us move through this change. And I feel like that's right. you and I are in there, you know, like we're, that's part of what we're doing. It's being like, yeah, yeah, we lose everything. We live everything. We gain everything. It all happens. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I keep, I mean, I, I keep pointing people to the apocalypse series, the preparation series that you did this year. You know, I'm just like, thank God. <laughs> this stuff is here. You can go listen and you can find it. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I, it's wild. It's, it is wild to think back on <clears throat> what was happening last year when we just dis- made the decision to do the mini series yeah. and then the conditions under which we actually did it. And, um, and to just think about like the, the various lives that that content is probably going to live <laughs> as as conditions continue to change because exactly. I think that I think that the other thing is that the because the topics range so widely across the mini series there are some conversations that are going to assume greater relevancy in the in the time to come I believe so um and um and I think to your point about, you know, we we can see so much more right now than we've been able to see. That is true. Yes. And then there is a ring 
Yes. You know, there's like a horizon beyond which we can't see. Exactly. And that is, I think, what has people in such a, an intense fear state, right? That there's, yeah. we know that there's something coming that we can't really imagine and can't, yeah. un, and we won't be able to see it until that horizon reveals itself. Exactly. And there's a, I think there's this palpable sense of like, we don't know what we don't know, what we're, we don't know what we're supposed to be learning right now. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, we just have to trust that what we actually already know and what we're currently learning will be enough. Yes. Well, and that's what <laughs> like, I love about this series is it's like, you know, I think our whole podcast has been largely about the relationality component, which is like what yes. we know for sure is totally. no matter what future exists, we're going to need to know how to be in right relationship with ourselves and each other and to navigate that well. Exactly. And then we're also always going to need to know like, how do I survive in changing conditions? Like, how do I think about food? How do I think about water? How do I think about right. shelter? How do I think about aid? So I, I'm like, there's some stuff that's just like, if you are a human being, these are things you need to know. And, you know, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it as a series. I love it as an accomplishment. And it, I think, brings us into this next little piece. Quick hits. What are you proud of? that you were able to accomplish in 2020. And this is in two parts. The first part is <laughs> in spite of the pandemic. And the second part is particularly because of these pandemic conditions. Mm. What are you proud of? I am proud that I was able to accomplish the mini series. Um, I, I'm a Gemini rising, so it's going to be both. Oh, um, yes. Be both, <laughs> both because of and in spite of the pandemic conditions. Yeah. Obviously, like the pandemic conditions really shaped the way the show unfolded and also the conditions of doing that while distance learning, like holding my kids through distance learning full time for months was, was really just... I was, you know, we were talking about this before we started recording, but I was like thinking back to like March and April and May and being like, how, how? literally, how did I do that? Um, yeah. But so I'm proud of myself for that. And I think I'm also, um, I'm proud of myself for, um, This is maybe going to be a little circuitous, but I think mm. it will make sense. I'm I'm proud of myself for the ways that I've both stayed in relationship with people that I needed to stay in relationship with because of the pandemic. And I'm proud of myself for the ways that I've receded from relationships that I needed to recede from in spite of the pandemic. That's right. Right. Because there are certain relationships in mm -hmm. my life that I really had to remove myself from. Yeah. And the pandemic would have been a really easy reason to hold on mm. to those relationships because it's, you know, maybe feels safer under uncertainty to stay in relationships with people that have known you for a long time. Yeah even if those aren't safe relationships. That's great. And so I'm really proud of myself for the fact that I was able to still recede and hold the boundaries that I needed to hold for my emotional safety, even if it meant more aloneness. Yeah. Um, and which I would differentiate from loneliness, you know, it, because I don't feel <laughs> it is different. I don't feel lonely, but I am alone. I am more alone now than I've been really at any point in my adult life. Yeah. Um, 
and that is partly because of the pandemic um, and the way that it's like changed. Like I'm not, <clears throat> I haven't been doing a ton of digital connecting with people. Yeah. I'm opting more to really just be alone when I'm alone. Um, and I think that actually that's been really good for me. Yeah. It's been really, really good for me. I, I also love the company of my own mind. So it, that helps. Yes. Um, <laughs> you do have a particularly great brain girl. I have a great brain. It is awesome in here. Yeah. So I'm, I'm proud of that too. Um, what about you? What is your, what, what is your, because of what is your in spite of? Mm, that's good. What are you proud of? That's good. Um, I would start with the in spite of, and I feel like the in spite of is, I feel like I have stayed in a really loving relationship with my body in spite of this pandemic and in spite of, you know, like in my mind, what was going to happen this year was like, I'm on my sabbatical. I'm only eating vegetables. I'm like getting back into doing exercisey type things or whatever, right? Exercisey type. Exercisey type things. Clearly that's not my bag. So, <laughs> you know, I was going to swim in all these, you know, I, I organized my trip around places that I could be swimming, right? And all this right. stuff. And instead, my body has stayed alive during a pandemic. And I have eaten, yes! eaten food, <laughs> yes! right? Crystal talked about this on Twitter and it just like, I was like, She's like, don't be mad at your body for gaining 15 pounds during a pandemic. Your body is staying alive during it's a pandemic. It's keeping right? you alive. And that, it was like, yeah. It, I, I have, that, basically there's this intersection of like Crystal saying that and Glennon Doyle posting this thing on Facebook around how when you really love something, you're not trying to control it all the time. And yes. I sat with that for my body and I was like, oh. How can I be loving towards my body in a way that is neither controlling um, nor just indulgent to the sake of unhealthiness? Like, what does healthy feel like inside of me? So I really looked at my relationship with sugar. I've looked at my relationship with movement. I've, like, been in the limitation of not being able to find swimming options and, you know, and just feeling for all that and still, like, being extremely loving and positive towards my body and listening to my that body a so lot. That is so beautiful. So that feels great <laughs> and unexpected and joyful. You know, like I feel yeah. joyful and sexy and at ease and yes. all of that feels good. And I'm, you know, for the most part, putting great things in and using my body well. So, yeah. So that I feel proud of and... So that feels like in spite of the pandemic. And then, of course, I'm proud to put books out <laughs> in spite of the pandemic. I'm like, um, projects are still moving and they're moving slowly and glitchily and at their own pace. Slowly for you. Slowly for me. Slowly for me. Right. <laughs> I am a very like fast paced producer, fast paced creator. <laughs> so for me, I'm like. We are inching along. This took months. <laughs> so, <Right>. um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> and then on the because of the pandemic, I would say that I'm really proud of how it feels to be rooting, right? So, like in the past, no matter what, yeah. no matter what, I have never spent three to four months in one place at a time. And that's been. Right. I was in Hawaii for three months. I was home with the parents for four months. Now I've been home for like, what, a month and a half here. And it's mm -hmm. going to continue. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, right. I 
Um, and I'm, I'm leaning into it and I feel really proud of like what's happening with my plants and how my turtle's doing and how everything mm-hmm. in the house like has a beautiful place and how I have, I, Autumn finally carved out a writing place, like for real, a legit place really? where I sit, you know, cause I'm always, <laughs> I laugh. I did a writing workshop today and it was funny cause I'm like, I write in bed on my phone. I write on the toilet. I write right. leaning on the washing machine because it's like, I need this quiet moment in the bathroom. I, I write, you know, like wherever I can find time, but very rarely like sitting at a desk writing on a computer, like in, in a, like a writer's right. way. In a like ergonomically exactly. healthy way for your right? body. So I'm like every book I've written with my thumb. So now I want to grow up and be like a writer. So I cleared out the little nook, the little built-in nook area um, that, is in the house and has mostly been just full of old files. I cleared it out. I created altar. Is this in the main space? Yeah, it's like in. It's like yeah. kind of across from the kitchen. Like that. That time. It's mm-hmm. like this little. It's basically a bookshelf <laughs> that has a space mm-hmm. where you can also slide your legs under and like make it a desk. And I, I love brought that. the little Japanese screen out that mom gave me, and I can put it around the area when I'm in there and I'm doing my writing, and I have my noise canceling headphones and I turn off the Wi-Fi, and I just get in and write for hours and um that feels like a because of the pandemic like because totally I'm like I'm here so my normal pattern is like to just jumble some thoughts into notes and then go away to do a writing retreat and turn out a book and now I'm like oh like I need to be able to do this at home and if I want writing to be the primary thing that I offer into this universe for the rest of my life, I need it to be something I can do wherever I live. So right. totally. I feel really happy about that. I'm happy for you. Yeah. That's big. It's That's huge. big. And, you know, and thinking too about how, how long you've been saying that you want to feel a sense of rootedness <laughs> exactly. in home. It's like the universe intervened to force you to do that. Yeah. And you know, it's one of these really fascinating things, right? Where I feel like all, a lot of us were in alignment with the planet where we're like, we know we need to change the behavior because the planet is suffering from our behavior. So we know we need to change it. And we even know right. what changes would help, but we can't seem to make those changes. And then something comes along that's like, well, I will cause you pain and I will stop everything and I will make you grieve, and I'll make you stay put. And I, I never want, you know, this to be the way that I have to be stopped or slowed down again. So it's one of the ways that I feel like I'm really humbling myself to the, the bigger lesson of COVID, which is, is like, oh, how do I, how do I shape change and partner with the universe in the healthiest way? So it doesn't take this kind of egregious crisis to make me slow down and stop. Right. And learn a fucking lesson. And learn. Mm-hmm. Top culture. What is top your top culture? culture? Like what have you, I mean, I know you've been in your brain enjoying that space. Have you been? <laughs> yeah, I feel like my, um, my top culture is my brain for sure. Um, but okay. Yes. I'm so excited because you know. I'm a late adopter. I do. I love that you're like almost everything. Years later, um, and I'm so I'm like years later. I'm like, oh, did you know about this? <laughs> but I did just last night. Just last night, I started watching Star Trek Discovery. <gasps> Gadzooks. 
I'm mainlining it right now. Take I'm like, it I like, it's so I, I think I, I think I watched four or five episodes straight and you know, I'm not in a, I'm, I'm not in a place in my life where I can really do that for the most part anymore. Um, but mm-hmm. I, it, you know, I happened to have a night without my kids in the house mm-hmm. and I had my rosé and I had my laptop. So <laughs> I, you know, was like, <laughs> you know, just like blitzed and, it. and it had been recommended to me by a couple of different people. But, um, but of course, you know, because of the last couple of years of my life, I haven't really had like attention span for television mostly. Um, oh, but it's with the exception so of, good. With the exception of Orphan Black over the summer. Yes. But this... I am like, I'm committed. I mean, I feel like I've just entered into a new committed relationship with Star Trek Discovery. Captain, where are we going? We have no map and you can't set a course without a star. It's hard to imagine. You've served under me for seven years. Commander Burnham, I think it is time we talked about you having your own command. The pace, the acting, the weird fake science of it. I just love everything about it. I love everything about it. I'm so excited for you. And then the other thing I'll say quickly on top culture. Um, so I I bought a book. Um, I, I was like looking for a book for someone else. And then I saw that Elena Ferrante, oh, who yes. is an Italian novelist who wrote the series um, The Neapolitan Quartet, which begins with my brilliant friend. Um, she wrote the series. She published a new book this year called The Lying Life of Adults. And I literally, I just, all, just all I saw was the title yep. and her name. Yeah, I bought absolutely. it immediately. I didn't even... I literally didn't even read the book jacket until two nights ago when I finally started reading the book. It was like, and so it was sitting on my desk for like a month because I didn't have time to start reading it until two nights ago. And then I finally picked it up and read the first couple of chapters. And I'm just in love with this book already. I'm so excited. And I will say like, you know, it's, it's hard for me to pick a favorite writer. Um, and, there's no need to really, and 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 there's no need to <laughs> truly, and 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 I think, and I do think that Octavia Butler remains like among my favorite novelists ever of mm-hmm. all time, um, for the purpose of what her work is. But if there's a writer that I would most like to be in the lane uh-huh. of, that's right, it's Elena Ferrante. Like if I could, if I could construct sentences. Yeah. The way that she does, I would just consider myself to be the greatest writer on earth. Uh, you know, like she's just brilliant. So I'm I'm experiencing a lot of joy in starting a new book that like the first page, like I found myself just smiling with like pleasure at reading her sentence construction. Oh, like that's what it geeky. felt like. Um and particularly the way that she inhabits adolescent uh-huh, minds is like she's she's a brilliant, brilliant person. So those are my two. I love those. Star Trek Discovery and Elena Ferrante. I love those. <laughs> and I'm going to go get this book maybe and read along with you. That's uh, so good. Um, yeah. So I also have two. And one of them is The Real Housewives of the Potomac. And what? I want to tell you. Like as in the Potomac River so, in <laughs> Potomac, Northern yes, Virginia? It's basically like the Potomac. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like this whole, you know, neighborhood 
Potomac that is the bougie, bougie black area. And it is hilarious. Like outside the beltway, inside the beltway? I guess it's, gosh, that, hmm. I'd have to like look it up on a map. <laughs> like it's just But D.C. Potomac. area. Yeah, D.C. area, area. Potomac. Yes. And okay. they're laughing because like one of them moved over to like Great Falls for a period and it was like, ugh. Like people were like <laughs> looking down because it's like it's all about this area code. This is where the like bougie black folks go. So oh the thing God. I love about this. So I had watched Real Housewives of Atlanta and I'd asked like what's the what are other good ones? And folks were like, hmm. Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is is good. It's it's white women, but it is good. And you know, it's but it's a different level of like it's just really really wealthy white women. And I really love Yolanda Hadid, who's Gigi and Bella's mom. Um but you know, it it has its limitations. But then someone's like really try out Real Housewives of Potomac. And I went and watched it. And then watched it and Again, I cannot stop watching it. I love it. We never thought as black women we would be right here, but we are. It's not something you can brush under the rug, but you've got to address this. We have been able to hold ourselves above the stereotype. And in five minutes. Again, I cannot stop watching it. I love it. There's so much two-facedness and there's so much etiquette checking. But, like, none of them are operating within the etiquette. So it just is hilarious. It's like, you'd think that someone would know that this is how we sit at a birthday party. (laughs) The (laughs) rules of etiquette are da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But it's just delicious. And I think it's one of the most interesting shows around, like, showing showing what happens with black people and colorism and class and social climbing. And yeah. So I did, I did, I got to do this panel interview the other day that Kimberly Foster was on from, for Harriet. And we're, we're thinking about doing an Instagram live because we're both like hardcore Potomac heads. And it's like, we need to discuss the show. So this, yes, it's so, I mean, and it's, the you know any of these real housewife shows come with like a warning which is it's it's ratchet. it's ratchet and it's a particular kind of thing like i often will watch it while doing other things like i'm like i can't give this right. my full <laughs> attention but it's great to have on the sideline and then the right. other little uh not little the other thing i want to mention for my top culture um that's satisfying but in a fully different way is I finally finished the Binti trilogy by Nnedi Okorafor. And it was part of like this weekend, I think you and I checked in at some point on Friday and you were like, me and the kids are taking the weekend off of social media and like off of devices. And I was like, hmm, that sounds like something I need to do too. Well, off of devices. My kids are on social media. Yes. Yes. Um, (laughs) Yes. So (laughs) I did, I basically like only posted my tarot card to social media, but otherwise was off of it and literally like put on music and we both just read and I read, I went back and reread the first part of the trilogy, which I had read a couple of years ago when it first came out. And I was like, I love this. I Mm -hmm. love this story. I love. And the first part is the novella. Yes. It's the novella where 
It's this I think that's the only one I've read. girl who basically runs away mm-hmm. from home to go to this intergalactic school and hijinks right. ensue. And it and the character as she goes, she becomes so much, so many things, like so many cultures, so many species, so many things happen along the way. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful collection where all this magic happens and transformative justice happens and beautiful storytelling happens. And and it's very, I mean, she's a very visual writer. So you come away with like, mm-hmm. I can see these characters in my mind. I can feel their tentacles. I can see this campus mm-hmm. where all these different kinds of creatures and humanoids are like the, the tiny minority of, of creatures there. And anyway, there's just so much about it that is really, it's just satisfying sci-fi. And all right. yeah, very African and very beautiful. And are all of the books in the series novellas? Yeah, so I think it's like a trilogy of novellas with another short story on the end, like an additional Binti short story. Okay. And so then she just put it all together into... Because I think I have the collection. I just read haven't it. read it yet. Read it. Okay. Read it. Hey, and I mean, it's just, yeah, it's good. just satisfying. And I think it was like too dedicated, like, you know, reading like our sister April, you know, just like sitting and being like, I don't care what you're doing because I'm reading my book, <laughs> you know, that kind of reading. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nobody, nobody reads, reads like April. Like April reads. And I feel like I'm learning all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I could do that. I could just sit here and read. Um, I could just sit here and ignore the other people. <laughs> Had to do anything but read this and just book. know that they will be, all fine. be okay because I'm not in control be of anyone. Yeah, everyone's gonna and be fine. <laughs> I can only shape change, and I'll do that better if I've read this book. So, um, exactly. yeah, so I'm reading that. I, I mean, I finished reading that, and I just picked up and started reading Ted Chang's short story collection, Exhalation. So, I'll be back with a review on that okay. one, I'm sure. Um, so, sister, oh, it was so good to talk with you. I know that this was a long one, and so. I'm grateful that we got to do it. (laughs) Me too. Thanks for listening to our show. We're on Twitter and Instagram at End of the World PC. We're also on Facebook at End of the World Show. You can make a sustaining donation to our show by visiting our page at patreon.com slash end of the world show. Another incredibly helpful thing you can do to help our show sustain itself is to write us a review on Apple Podcasts if you're an iPhone person. Thank you. Yeah, and actually, either in those reviews or on our social media posts or elsewhere, let us know what you thought of this season. Like, we did drop in to being more conversational. We did do a few less interviews. Like, we have the Flume of Rage. We have Talk Culture. We'd love to hear, like... We have segments We have segments and stuff, so... How is that working for you format-wise? What would you like more of? What would you like less of? Shape change. Shape us. Shape us. (laughs) How to Survive the End of the World is produced and edited by the brilliant um, and exacting Zach Rosen. (laughs) Music for today's show comes from Tunde Alaniran and Mother Cyborg. Yay. Love you. 